look at a verse and you see, man, there's like tons of different meanings and, and, and applications you could get out of just this one verse. It's incredible. You know, with, when it comes to, for instance, Mark 11, uh, one time a, a man said to Brother Hagen, I, I've heard you preach about ten times, and I, it sounds to me like you must have at least ten different sermons out of this one couple of verses. He said, no, I don't. I have about fifty. And, you know, because there's just so much and sometimes we'll just glance at a verse and and catch one part of it. But I mean, there's with each verse, there's so many different truths and, and applications. If we'll dig in to the word of God, if you'll dig a little deeper, you'll get some good stuff out of it. And that reminds me kind of an, of an example I heard, you know, back when the gold rush happened in California in the 1840s. All right. They said, you know, especially up north and stuff where it was first discovered, gold was so plenteous that people were coming. and They're just like finding gold nuggets laying on the ground. I mean, you know, huge gold nuggets. And it took no effort at all. And it was incredible. And of course, that's when California was founded and, and thousands and eventually millions of people came out here to get rich and everything. But after a while, after they picked up all the easy stuff, all the all the obvious stuff. You had to dig a little bit deeper and there was still tons of gold further beneath the surface and in the, cre- in the creeks and in the streams and stuff. But the people that put forth the effort to dig a little deeper, they still got the gold. They still got, you know, the good stuff. And sometimes with the Bible, maybe there's a verse that you've read a bunch of times or maybe you take a glance and say, oh, the Lord's my shepherd. That's a nice one. That's inspirational. Let's move on. But if you'll take the time to dig a little bit deeper into the word of God, you'll get the deeper truths and you'll get the greater stuff than just the most obvious thing from each of the verses. And so tonight we're looking at Hebrews 10.23 and that's the only title I knew to give it because I couldn't think of anything else. So Hebrews 10.23 is the official title of this sermon. And I love this verse and I'm going to I'm going to read it right now. And tonight we're going to I'm doing everything out of the King James. It's it's just a King James type of night. I'm going to party like it's 1611. So watch out. So Hebrews 10.23, it says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And I don't know about you, but I look at that and I see so many different things popping out at me that we're going to look at a few things tonight, three different things out of this one verse. And I mean, this verse has so much power. And, you know, maybe if you haven't been at our church very long or maybe you haven't heard much about the power of your words, we're going to explain some of that tonight. And I can promise you this, that if you'll give me your attention for about a half an hour here, you can see some life-changing stuff if you'll apply this. Because this has changed my life. Absolutely changed my life. So, let's open in prayer, and we're going to take a look at this tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much that we have an awesome, awesome, awesome church to come and, and learn about you in, Lord, and to, and to fellowship with our family. Lord, I pray tonight that as we open the Bible, you will speak to our hearts, God, and you'll change us. You'll, you'll show us things and you'll bring us to a higher level so we can walk in all the fullness of your blessings in our life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So point number one tonight is this. Number one. Hold fast the profession of faith. It's that. Hold fast the profession of faith. And the word profession right here could be basically translated as confession. 
All right. So there's different there's many different types of confession in the Bible. Right. Amen. We, we see there's the confession of sins. OK, that's one application of confession. Um, there's there's the confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So there's lots of different types of confession. But this is talking about the confession of your faith. And so I'm asking, are you speaking words of faith over your life tonight? Are you speaking positive words of faith over your situations? And, and you know, if you've gone to church here for very long at all, you know uh, how important this is and how strongly we believe in the power of your words. But even if you've heard it a thousand times, sometimes we lose focus and we lose hold of the basics of our beliefs. And so I'm asking... Are you speaking, are you actively speaking words of faith over your life every day? Because this is a major key to victory that a lot of people don't get. Now, there's this phrase right here that says, hold fast. Well, that's not something that we necessarily uh, use in 2016 to use the phrase, hold fast, buddy, it's going to get better. No, you know, we don't use that phrase anymore. But hold fast basically means to keep up, keep it up. All right, so keep up your confession of faith. Keep it up. Don't give up on it. Don't give up on the confession of faith. You've got to be speaking these words. Hold fast. Keep it up. Don't give up because it's going to work if you won't give up. Now, I want to show you, obviously, the granddaddy of all verses when it comes to this. Mark 11, 22 through 24. I love this. So let's turn over there to Mark 11, verses 22 through 24. And... These are some of the most powerful verses if you'll get a hold of these. Mark 11, 22 through 24. I never get tired of reading these. Mark 11, verses 22 through 24. And of course, you know, we talk about Brother Hagin so much, but he, you know, uh, was such a powerful man of God. And it was these verses that brought him off of his bed of sickness. When he was a teenager, he had been completely uh, paralyzed and bed fast I, I, for a couple of years. It was a really long time. He hadn't walked. He hadn't got out of bed. He was just laying there dying. I mean, and this was in the early part of the last century, in the 20s. And so there, there wasn't the medical advances that we have. All the doctors knew is that there was something wrong with his blood, and they called it an incurable blood disease. He was paralyzed. I don't know if it was leukemia or what it was, but they said it was incurable. And he was just laying there, wilting away and dying. And it was really sad. And, and he, you know, he'd call for different preachers to come pray for him. And so they'd come in and, and I mean, just pray the most pathetic prayers. Lord, help him cope as he dies in Jesus name. And I mean, seriously, there's no faith in that whatsoever. And sometimes it just shocks me how even pastors of some places, you know, they, they just don't have the faith, you know, that it takes to get some stuff done. And that's not being mean. It's just the truth. We were driving the other day, uh, Katie and I, and, and we were just flipping through radio stations. And it, it, and it was a Christian station, so it said. But I couldn't believe this. The song that it played, they, they were the worst lyrics I've ever heard in my life. I would have rather heard, like, gangster rap cussing than what I heard. on. And I'm serious. Give me Snoop Diggity Dog over this. But, but it, it, this guy starts saying, you know... Lord, help me cope as you take my child. And I know there's nothing that can be done, but my child's going to die. And I mean, it was like literally those lyrics. And I was like, get that off. I was like punching the radio. Don't let the kids hear this junk. I mean, good God, who would say that? And who would write a song about it? 
And, you know, and I know there's just some people that don't share the same beliefs, even though they're Christians as we do. But I'm like, get that away. I'm holding fast. If my child was sick, I'm keeping the confession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And if you bring that junk into my house, I'm a man of love and forgiveness, but I'm liable to drop kick you or something. Get that away. You know, there's a couple years ago, one of my favorite Christian bands had this. I mean, they're a good band, great band. But they had this song, you know, on the radio about, you know, help me cope even if the healing doesn't come, even if I don't make it. Even, And I'm like, dear God, why would you do that? Why would you pray to God for something if you don't even believe it's going to happen? Why even waste the oxygen? If I pray to God, it's because I believe that it's going to happen or else I'm not going to waste my breath. And I'm not going to waste anybody else's time. All right. I, when I pray to God, it's because I am believing that it's going to happen. And so if I sit there and say, God, I'm praying for healing. But if it doesn't come, if you don't actually do it, if you don't feel up to it, if, if it's not your will, if it's your will for me to die, then, you know, then let it be. I mean, that's that is that is so weak and pathetic that and I'm not making fun of anybody that prays that way. But I'm just saying I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hold fast to the confession of faith. For he's faithful who promised. So Mark 11, 22 through 24. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. I mean, that's not like the most basic statement you could say, have faith in God. But Jesus said this. And sometimes I've got to remember that when I'm going through a hard time, just stop everything. Have faith in God. Just believe God. Just break it down to that basic thing. Just have faith. Faith in God. If you get nothing else, just get that. Just believe God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. And again, there are so many sermons in those couple of verses there that it's unreal. But let's point this out right here. That Jesus, many times we would see him pray over situations, okay? And so prayer is one of our number one weapons that we've been given. But sometimes Jesus didn't pray about the situation. He just spoke directly to the situation. And he would speak to the mountain, whatever it was, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and it would happen. Sometimes he didn't even pray at all. And, you know, that's not saying prayer is not important or that we shouldn't because that's, nothing could be further from the truth. Prayer is just one of the number one things that we have. But sometimes there's another weapon that Jesus gave us, and that is speaking words of faith directly to the situation. Speaking to a mountain saying, be removed, be cast into the sea. And if you believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, it says you'll have whatsoever you say. Now, that's a pretty bold statement. That's almost like a guarantee. And it's pretty gutsy to guarantee something. You know, even if a company, most companies don't even guarantee their products anymore, you know, for more than a year. You know, do you want to buy the extended warranty? Because we don't really believe that our product's worth anything. So it could die within the next week. You know, I mean, people just don't guarantee stuff. But Jesus made a very, very bold statement when he said, if you believe and you don't doubt, you will have whatsoever you say that is i mean that's gutsy that's bold that's pretty deep to step out on a limb and tell people that if you believe and don't doubt you can have whatsoever you say and that's exactly what jesus did 
And so there's so much truth in these verses right here. And you've got to understand that there is incredible power in words. Now, some of you know that, but think about it. How did God create the heavens and the earth? Genesis 1, he kept speaking and creating things. He would say, it says, you know, and God said, let there be light. It didn't say, and God got his tools out and, and formed a big giant orb that would light and heat the earth. No, it just says, and God said, let there be light. And God created all the things from his words. That's incredible. And as we pointed out this morning... We're made in the image of God. We are created to follow in the footsteps of God. Does that mean that I can speak and create a new planet? No, obviously not. But that does mean I can speak to the problems in my life and, and, and cause things to happen. That absolutely does mean that. And so Jesus said that we could do that. And, and, and I take that very literally that we can do this. You know, I was thinking about one time I was in a really bad financial situation and, you know, I was doing what I knew to do. But, you know, just stumbling across these verses once again and reading them, I was like, you know what? I need to speak to this mountain right now. And so I started speaking to the mountain. I needed money fast. And within three days, $1,500 came from three totally different sources. I mean, just, you know, Monday, here comes the check from here. Tuesday, here comes. And I mean, just so quick. Money started pouring in from areas that I had no idea about. But then I was, you know, I was just, you know, thank you, Jesus. This stuff works. It absolutely works. If you speak and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. He said you'll have whatsoever you say. And so we've got to get this. Most Christians completely understand the concept of believing I mean, because you can't be a Christian unless you believe. There's, it's impossible. You know, Hebrews 11:6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, why, why is that? Well, the verse goes on to say, because if you uh, want to come to God, you must believe that he actually exists. And it takes faith to even believe in the existence of God because you can't see God. And it takes a lot of faith to believe in something you can't even see. But, listen, most Christians, they get this concept of, okay, so you've got to believe that those things, you've got you to believe, you've got to believe, you've got to believe. And that's a big part of it. But in this particular instance, in, in verse 23, for example, Jesus mentions the, the word say three times and only the word believe one time. Why is that? Because most Christians don't get it that you've got to keep speaking those words of faith. We all understand whether you have much faith or not, you at least can understand that it's a serious thing. And you can at least understand that it's important. I mean, I know a lot of people that have very weak faith, and, but, they, but they could still tell you, well, I know faith's important. I know you've got to have it. But a lot of them have no idea about speaking to the problem. And so why do I think that this stuff works? Why do you think that this stuff works? Well, I've got two reasons. One, because Jesus said it. And I believe everything that Jesus said, whether it makes any sense or not. Whether I understand what he said. Some stuff I don't understand, but I still believe it's true because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So everything that Jesus said is true, whether you get it or not. And the second reason I believe it is because it's worked in my own life so many stinking times. All right? And, you know, and if you'll just trust and obey and you'll do these things that Jesus said, watch, it's going to happen in your life. I guarantee it. If it doesn't work, then that means God's a liar and God is not a liar and his word does not return void. And so it is going to happen and it is going to work. So the first thing out of Hebrews ten twenty three is you've got to hold fast. You've got to keep up the confession of faith. And point number two is this without wavering. 
Because I know, and I've been guilty of this a whole lot of times, I'll start speaking words of faith over a situation for a day or two, maybe a week, but then I waver. I forget about it. You know, the, the waves start crashing into the boat or whatever, and I forget all about it, and I start wavering. And next thing you know, I haven't spoken any words of faith over the situation for a while. All I've done is spoken words of complaining. And listen, anybody can complain, but it doesn't help the situation whatsoever, does it? Complaining is just like scratching a, a bad itch. You know, oftentimes it just makes it worse. You know, growing up out in the woods, we had a thing called poison ivy. Anybody ever come across poison ivy? It's fun stuff. Well, I unfortunately had, uh, I was allergic to poison ivy. So, you know, I did not even have to like go touch it. If I just walked past it, I could get poison ivy. And one summer, Josh probably remembers this, it was the summer of 96. I got poison ivy so bad that my whole face just like puffed up. I was swollen everywhere. Remember that Will Smith movie? I think it was called Hitch or whatever. When he, I looked like that. I mean, I was just... It was awful. And, you know, you, I just kept wanting to scratch it and scratch it because it provided temporary relief. But guess what? That just made it worse and that just spread the disease. And that's what complaining will do to you. And you may feel good for a minute like, well, I got that off my chest. But listen, you're just, you're just spreading that disease throughout your life. And next thing you know, you don't just have one problem you're complaining about. You're complaining about a whole bunch of other problems because your words are powerful either positively or negatively. You speak positive words, they're powerful, but it's same, the same thing is true with negative words. If you go around speaking complaining, negative, doubtful words all the time, those produce seeds also. And those will produce a harvest in your life. And you know what Proverbs 18:21? we all know it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life, positive or negative, are in the power of the tongue. And so if you're in a situation in your life where you're, you know, you're wondering well, how, what happened, how did I get here, I need out of this situation, I'm not saying it's this, but one area that you could possibly check would be the area of your words. How have you been speaking over your life? Have you been saying negative things and complaining things? Or have you been speaking positive things? And maybe you'll trace it back and you'll see I've opened the door for the devil to come in and do some things. You know, God didn't bring this on me, but I've been speaking such negative terrible complaining words that I've given the devil a free pass to just come in and do some things in my life. And hey, we've all been there. We've all done that at some point or another. So the reason that most Christians don't get answers in their life, I believe, well, one major reason anyway, is because they waver when it doesn't happen overnight. We want stuff to happen so fast, you know, we'll be like, man, I spoke words of faith all day yesterday and here I, it's, it's still happening to me. I guess that doesn't work. Or you start complaining. You know, I was talking to one lady I worked with about tithing one day and she's like, listen, I tried that tithing stuff for a month and guess what? I'm still in a bad financial situation. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, she told me some more about her finances and stuff. And I'm like, listen, it's going to take more than one month of tithing to overcome 30 years of horrific financial habits. Okay, you racked up like $50,000 in credit card debt. It's going to take more than one month of tithing to get you out of that. Tithing is the first step, but give God a minute because he's going to fix your whole big mess that you've created, Okay. So don't just give up and say, oh, that doesn't work. I thought I'd toss it in the bucket and God would just supernatural debt cancellation. No, it didn't happen. And so she gave up and said that it didn't work. She wavered 
because it didn't happen instantly. And a whole lot of us, we waver when things don't happen instantly. And sometimes we pray for something and it happens instantly. And I love that. Isn't it awesome when you pray for something and you get an instant healing or you get an instant miracle? And that does happen sometimes. But a whole lot of the time, it doesn't happen instantly. Does that mean that, you know, God chose not to? No. Does that mean that it's not real or that's something? No. Listen, it just means you're going to have to stand in faith. You're going to have to hold fast to the confession of faith without wavering. A lot of people, they do the first part, but then they waver when things don't happen instantly. And so I want to show you something in James chapter 1. Let's turn over to James chapter 1. James 1 verses 5 through 8. And this is, I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road right here. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. So do not waver. But it says this, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it shall be given to him. I mean, that's awesome. You ask for wisdom and it says God gives liberally. That means he gives generously. God has no problem whatsoever giving you wisdom to make the right choices in your life. But look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering or without, there's that word again, wavering. That's the exact same thing that Hebrews said, without wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. So imagine that. Wavering is like being a wave. It's the exact same word, basically. Okay, someone that wavers, that's what waves do. They waver up and down, up and down, in and out, in and out. That you don't, I mean, they're all over the place. It says it's a person uh, that's like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he'll receive anything of the Lord. Wow. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now, this is a sad but familiar scenario to me. Think about that. You, you, you speak words of faith. You talk to God. You ask Him for wisdom. He gives you an answer. And, and you start heading that direction. I mean, we've all done this. You, you pray and you get some answers. And so you're like, okay, here's the plan that God gave. You start coming this way, but then somehow, you know, you get a little hurdle in the road. You, you, get, you get a little bit, a little bit of a, a storm comes along. And, but the right thing to, to do would be to not let that move you and say, you know what? I know this came against me, but I'm holding fast the confession of faith. I still say that God's going to come through for me in this situation. I still say, and you still speak those words. But what too many of us do is like, oh, no. Okay. I thought I heard from God, but I guess not because some trouble came. So you think trouble means that you didn't hear from God? Absolutely not. If trouble means that you're not in the will of God, then the Apostle Paul was probably never in the will of God for any of his ministry. Because he always had trouble. Think about it. Jesus had trouble all the time. He had people throwing rocks at him and doing all kinds of stuff. So if trouble means that you're not in the will of God, then Jesus and Paul were just... I mean, just a couple of confused fellows that just never found their way. But that's not the truth at all. So too many of us, we get direction. We start making a little progress in this situation. And then you get shaken up a little bit. A little bit of trouble comes. And what I've seen too many people do is just, okay, well, I missed it. I get, Let's just blow this whole plane up and go a different direction. So they change everything. They make a drastic change to their plans. And so they start heading, okay, well, we're just going to go west then. And so they start going this way. And then, of course, 
few waves come and shake them up. Oh, no, here it goes again. Well, I guess I missed it. Let's just go back this way. So they go back. Now they're going back that way. And guess what? They're like a wave of the sea. They're double minded. They're unstable in all their ways. They can't make up their mind about anything. They can't stick with anything. They can't stick with a job. They can't stick with a home. They can't stick with a church. They can't stick with their... They're just all over the place because they're, they waver in everything they do. Up and down, up and down, in and out, in and out. They, they're tossed all over the place like a wave of the sea. And they never get any stability in life. And that's a sad thing to witness. And we've all been double-minded at some point in our lives. But it's really sad to see somebody that can't hold fast without wavering because they never get to where they're supposed to be. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time. We've all got to know that. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time for, this, you know, for, for it to happen. But you don't give up. You've got to do it without wavering. Brother Hagen said sometimes he'd speak words of faith for two months. Six months, a year. One, he said, I was listening to one of his sermons the other day. He said for one situation, he spoke words of faith without wavering for 14 years before it actually happened. But when the situation turned around and when it actually happened, it was an amazing, huge testimony miracle from God. And he was so thankful that he didn't give up. And, you know, sometimes it happens fast and sometimes it doesn't. But I can say this. A hard-fought win is something you never forget. Sometimes when God does something instantly, people, you know, they're, they're thankful for a little bit. But after a while, they kind of, they tend to forget about it and they move on with life. But if, if you've got a victory that you fought hard for, you spoke those words of faith over for years, and you did the right thing, you did it God's way, and you fought so hard for that, listen, you never forget about those victories. I've got victories in my life. That I thank God for every single day because I had to put in some sweat. I had to put in a little bit of my blood. I, I had to put in some effort. I didn't just say, you know, a simple prayer, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. You know, God bless the family. You know, God loves all his creatures. Amen. No, I mean, I had to get up every day and fight this thing out. But those victories, they stick with me. And I never forget about them. And, and sometimes a hard-fought victory is the absolute sweetest one. And, and you'll never forget about it. And so, I mean, there's situations right now in my life that, that I wake up every morning and I speak these words of faith over. I speak to those mountains every single day. And I want to show you a great verse for this. I've used this verse a lot. But let's go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And so my goal tonight is to encourage you. Maybe you've, you know, you're familiar with all this. Maybe you could preach it better than me. But I want to encourage you and remind you of the power of your words and how important it is to stop. If you are speaking negative words, doubtful words in your life right now over anything, you've got to stop right now. You have got to stop right now. That will hold you back. It will bring death into that situation. It could kill a relationship. It could kill a job. It could kill something in your life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so, I mean, you may be going through something right now, but listen to me. Don't speak negative words. Don't do it. Don't do it. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, it says, And let us not be weary and well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I love that. And again, that's a very bold guarantee from the Bible. It says, in due season 
we shall reap. It doesn't say in due season, there's a 50% chance that you're going to finally reap that harvest. There's a 75% chance you're going to... No, it says we shall reap if we faint not. And, you know, there's so many people that they get close to what God has for them, but they finally just give up. They faint. They pass out and, and they give up on it. And it's so sad because the thing that they've been hoping for and praying for for all this time, it may have been right around the corner, but they gave up at the last minute. And now they'll never know. I refuse to give up on the things that, that I've been standing for. I, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to I'm not going to faint because I do know this is that due season does come. I don't always know when it comes, but I do know that it's, it's real and it exists and it comes. Due season does come. And God knows when due season is in your life. God knows when it is and due season is going to come, but it only comes if you faint not and you don't give up. And so what are we saying? We're saying hold fast to the confession of faith. But you've got to do it without wavering. It, does, it, it doesn't matter. You can't do this for a day or two. And if nothing happens, give up. It, you can't be that way. You've got to stick with it. Stick with it until you see it come to pass. Sometimes it's weeks. Sometimes it's months. Sometimes it, it can be years. But listen to me. Do it without wavering. There's this old saying of stay the course. You've got to stay the course when it comes to this. And people can look at you and say, man, you're crazy. You've been telling me for years that you're going to get this. You've been telling me for years that this is going to happen and it hasn't happened. Listen, I don't care what you say. I'm going to stay the course because due season is coming. And you're not in charge of due season for my life. God is. All right. And so I don't care what you have to say. I am not giving up on this thing. It's going to happen because I'm going to hold fast without wavering. And so the third thing is this, and this is beautiful. Number three, he is faithful that promised. Number one, you've got to hold fast to that confession of faith. Number two, it's without wavering. But number three, because it's, he's faithful that promised. Why does all this stuff actually work? Because it's dependent upon God. And God is faithful. Who in here could say that God has been faithful in your life? Even if you haven't deserved it. Even if you haven't been so faithful to Him. God is faithful. And that's one of the most beautiful things about the character of God. He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. Thank God for His mercy. He's a God of justice. Thank God for that. He's a God of grace and forgiveness. But one of my favorite things about God is that He's a God of faithfulness. That He sticks with you even when you don't deserve it. He sticks with us. God is faithful. And that's why I believe that this stuff actually works. And so I have this little book of scriptures that I, you know, it's a, it's a, a spiral bound three by five cards. You know what I mean? You can get them on. And so I bought one of those and I just, I've just got all these cards in there written with scriptures. And what I do is in the morning for part of my Bible time, I just get these out and I read these out loud every day. And, you know, that's what I preached about in the Son of None series. That's what I kept trying to get across was Joshua um, 1a. You know, that's the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Meditate means to keep speaking over and over. And so I've got these scriptures that I speak every day, every morning as I'm sitting there in my chair, you know, just 
spending time with God. And so one of those verses is Hebrews 10, 23. But another one is Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. And I want to show that to you. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. And I absolutely love these couple of verses here. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. And I'm going to look at the last part of verse 5. But this is just an absolutely beautiful verse that, I mean, again, you know this, but I want to remind you of it. Because sometimes we lose sight of the things that we already know. So Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, it says this. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Everybody say amen. Isn't that nice that he will never leave you? He will never forsake you. Even if you don't deserve his faithfulness, he's still going to he's still going to be there for you. But look at this verse six. It's so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Oh, man, I love this. He said, I'll never leave thee or forsake thee. So we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. God has promised that he'll never, ever leave us. He'll never, ever forsake us. And I can honestly say that he's kept that promise in my life. He's never left me. Even in the darkest moments, even in the lowest points of my life, God has always been there. And I I mean, I cannot honestly, I cannot even fathom. I can't imagine living one day of my life without God Almighty. I can't, I can't even comprehend what that would be like. And I, you know, because I've been raised in church and, you know, I gave my life to the Lord at a very young age and everything. And I know not, some of you guys, maybe you gave your life to the Lord later on or after you were an adult and stuff. And so maybe you, you could, you could understand a little bit what that would be like to have a day without God, the presence of God in your life. But I'm just, you know, that, that, that would be the worst thing ever. And of course, God loves you even if you're not saved and God wants to be there. He's just one call away. He's just one call away. But until you make that call, you don't have the presence of God in your life. You don't have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You don't have the presence of God. And, you know, I'm so thankful that he's there every single day. I wouldn't want to go one day without God. If you came in and offered to write me a check for $5 billion to go one, one day without God in my life, I wouldn't do it. I'd say, take your money and you can do whatever you want to do with it. But no, I'm, no. The presence of God is not for sale in my life. You can't have it. You can't take it away. And I find it so interesting that when King David had sinned and committed this adultery with Bathsheba, in Psalm 51, he's praying to God. And he's saying, you know, he's begging for forgiveness and everything. But this one thing he says in Psalm 51, he says, don't banish me from your presence. He didn't didn't say, God, don't take my money away. Don't take my kingdom away. Don't take my servants and my chariots and the great food that I have. He He didn't ask for any of that. The one thing that David begged God to not take away is, don't take your presence away from me. I can't lose your presence. You, you can have the money. You can have the, you know, the, the horses and, and the kingdom. Just don't take me away from your presence. I can't lose that for anything. And, and so it just shows me how important it is for us to comprehend and realize that God is in our lives. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Don't do anything that would get rid of the presence of God in your life. Because there are things that you can do that you know, would absolutely get rid of the presence of God in your life. And David did one of those things. But listen, he'll never leave us. 
He'll never forsake us. And, and we don't, man, don't do anything to get rid of the presence of God in your life. Because God is faithful until the end, man. He is faithful. He is not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. And, you know, a story that I love is of the Apostle John. And this isn't in the Bible, but it's according to Christian tradition and uh, historians uh, that kept track of of, uh, the, the Christian church. And anyway, but apparently the Apostle John, he lived longer than any of the other apostles, okay? The, the other 11, they were martyred. You know, they, Peter was crucified, James and them had their heads cut off and stuff. But for whatever reason, John lived into his 90s. And so John was, I mean, that, and especially back in that day and age, that's extremely old to live into your 90s that long ago when they're, I mean, you know, they didn't have the sanitation and stuff that we have. Anyway, and so John is into his 90s and uh, the Roman emperor Domitian, he wanted to kill the, the last living disciple of Jesus. And so one, one brutum, or brutal, horrific way that, you know, of torturing a Christian back then is they would boil people alive in these big vats of oil. And so anyway, they bring John out, the emperor, and they're going to boil the last apostle of Jesus alive. And so they get this big vat of boiling oil and they, you know, they chain John up toss him in, and, you know, they sit there for a while thinking, hey, this is it. I mean, you can read a lot of this history. It's available to you. But it's very interesting to me. And so here's John, this man that's outlived everybody else. He's got to be old and a beard and everything else. And so they go to pull his body out. They start pulling the chain out. And here comes John holding on to the chain, just waving at the emperor. And they're like, what in the world? And made him so furious that he sends him to be exiled to this remote island called Patmos. And so they, they send him out to this island of Patmos where they're like, well, no one will hear from him again. He'll just die out there and he can't do any more damage out there. Just get rid of him. Well, while he's on the island of Patmos, does anybody know the significance of the island of Patmos? Anybody? It's where John received the book of Revelation. And he wrote the book of Revelation on this island. And he was supposed to be a dead man anyway, and here he is, but he has this revelation from God and writes it down, and we have the book of Revelation. So what the devil meant for harm, obviously, God turned around for a really good thing, and we have the book of Revelation that explains so much of the end times to us. But John was a man that knew God is faithful. How many times do you think he could have given up over the years? I mean, he received persecution. He saw his friends get their heads cut off and everything else. But he just he just didn't give up. He just stayed faithful. And God remained faithful to him. And what the devil meant for harm, God turned around for good. Because God is faithful in our life. And I'm going to say this. These, this testimony and so many of the others... They sound really good, don't they? But listen to me. These type of things don't happen for double-minded quitters. These happen for people that hold fast to their faith without wavering. And so if you, if you just quit all the time and you waver, don't expect these type of results to happen in your life. Because, you know, you're going to catch some blessings here and there, just maybe a little leftover residue, you know, from, from some stuff. But you're not going to really walk in it until you get stable and quit being double-minded. And so Hebrews 10:23 let us hold fast the confession or the profession of our faith how without wavering why 
for he is faithful who promised. And so I encourage you, trust and obey. Keep believing. Keep speaking. Even if it doesn't look like it's happening, just keep doing it and it's going to happen. And y'all, I'm just going to close with this last illustration. You know, a lot of times, you know, the doctor will maybe prescribe you a medicine and they'll tell you, you got to take the whole thing. Finish this prescription Take the whole thing. And, and they're just telling you, you know, it's so serious that you don't just give up if you don't feel better the next day. Why? Because sometimes that medicine, it's exactly what you need, but it takes a little bit for it to kick in. And if you quit taking it, even if you took it for three or four days, if you're supposed to take it for 14 days, listen, it's just, it's not going to happen. You may start making a little bit of progress, but if you quit the whole thing altogether, you're not going to get the intended results. And it's the same way with speaking words of faith and, and, and holding fast to the confession of faith. Don't just do it for a couple of days. Listen, you've got to do the whole thing and keep doing it until it comes to pass. It's just like your medicine. And as Brother Gary, my friend that was here a few weeks ago, says, he calls it taking your gospels. Now, that sounds, you know, a little bit cheesy, but, you know, speaking the word of God, that's taking your gospels. And you need to take, you need the gospel, you need the gospel every day. But when you're speaking these words of faith, you're taking your vitamins, man. You're taking your gospels. And the more you take it, it's, it's, it may take a little bit, but listen, it is going to work. It is going to work if you do it without wavering. And so that's our encouragement tonight. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the profession of faith without wavering. For he is faithful who promised. Amen? All right, we're going to go ahead and end right there this evening. All right.